Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Ange, that's Aaron. Hi. We got Shar on the ones and twos. You can find us on our spanking new website, bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us every morning from 6 to 6.30 a.m. at bff.fm. Boing. <laughs> and we're taking you back to Sundance, this time with a really great documentary. Uh, we were lucky enough to speak to Julie Noonham, the filmmaker, and Jim Lebrecht who is a filmmaker and also a talent in the the documentary. It's called Crip Camp. This is a documentary about uh, essentially a summer camp that was started in the 50s and and went on for a couple of decades um, for kids that were uh, disabled. And it became sort of a, a life of its own. It became a sort of Woodstock euphoric place for these kids to come and and feel free and, and most importantly to feel normal um and yeah it was a really great time talking to them and and hearing about uh jim's experience not only as part of the camp but in making this documentary so i hope you enjoy the interview and we'll see you on the other side John Wildman here with my co-host from Bitch Talk, Aaron Lim and Angela Tabora. And we're going to be talking about the documentary Crip Camp. We have the two filmmakers, Nicole Noonan and Jim Lebrecht, who is also a subject in the film, as well as being a co-director. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. And we'd like to start this off by letting you introduce our audience to what the film is about. Jim? Nicole, who's taking it? <laughs> so the film is about this amazing happening that, that occurred in 1971 at this radical summer camp uh, for kids with disabilities that had was being run by hippies. And, um, and that camp, which Jim attended, ends up sparking the disability rights movement because the experience of liberation and freedom and joy that kids who normally at that time were facing you know, a future of sort of isolation, discrimination, and sometimes cases even institutionalization was was so profound that um, that they were inspired. You guys were inspired to to fight for a better life. It's one of those things that once you uh, experience a, a, a better life, that you'll do anything you can to get it back again, to cultivate it and protect it, and that's really the story of the of the film in, in a kind of in a nutshell to the extent that the advocacy that we the community that we found there and the advocacy that we believe that we could take into our lives to improve the lives of people with disability was possible you know if you don't and meeting Judy Human was one mm-hmm. of the big characters um, in the in film she you know for me as a 15 year old and she was there and she had um, won a lawsuit against the um, uh, in New York City, the school district to teach. She is a wheelchair user, and they told her, "Oh no, no, you're a fire hazard, and you won't be able to discipline her, your children, or anybody." That meets Judy Human knows that she can discipline anybody. <laughs> <laughs> she's a force, force, force she's of a nature. Yeah, she really, she really is. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the incredible um, footage that you have from the camp? And um, I was really struck by the real conversations that we got to hear around the table and um, also the conversation about wanting to be alone as someone that who is disabled. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. 
Either well, the, by the person that was there or by the person that was directing. Well, so in the summer of 71, this group called the People's Video Theater um, happened to bump into some people from camp at a gas station. It's like, gee, who are all you folks with wheelchairs or crutches? And, hey, what's that video equipment and such? And it's like, come over to our camp. And uh, we're having our camp Olympics. And and then wow. they, they show up there and... The first thing they're faced with is, um, well, two of the counselors had gotten the crabs. Thank you for bringing that up. And, I literally yeah. have crabs right, right at the top of my notes, so thank you. And, um, and here, here's this camp where some of the campers are going home in a few days, right? And so immediately the camp director you know, says, we have to, everybody has to get shampooed. So they show up and there's like, like all the sheets are in the swimming pool. There's clothing hanging for the backstop of the baseball field. And uh, well, that was after they got in, right? Yeah. What, first, they showed up at the gate, and the gate was closed, and they couldn't get in. So they just sat down and dropped some acid. <laughs> as you, as do. you do. I yeah. mean, you got some free time. Yeah. 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 Why not? So then, you know, a number of hours later, the, the, the folks from the camp came out and said, hey, now you can come in. And that's the first thing they saw. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, and the uh, remarkable thing about this is that they were taking this new technology, this portable video, and they wanted to bring it to marginalized communities. And so they came in there basically um, when they got introduced to us at camp saying, look, you know, help us make a video about this camp. You know, we want your input. So what, the two kind of extraordinary things for me was that they strapped the video deck to the handlebars of my wheelchair, and then I was holding the camera, and somebody pushed me around the camp, and why the, the other person was asking me questions. So I did a camp tour. We've been filming this, we've been making this film for almost 50 years here, mm -hmm. right? Wow. I mean, it's, it's kind of extraordinary. And that conversation around the table, so, you know, they said, you know, do you, you know, just tell us what you'd like to do. And we wanted to do a um, video for our parents. And mm -hmm. it's and just like a message to parents about overprotectiveness and what that feels like and um, what was happening. And yes, that stunning moment where this woman, Nancy, um, talks about never having privacy that her mother's always there. She never has a moment alone. And, um, and you know, it's you would think that, oh, everybody gets a chance for privacy, and it's something you just don't quite think about. Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say that the footage, um, Jim remembered filming the tour, and he remembered that the group was there, but didn't quite remember their name. And it was, mm. it took like months of um, like basically me hunting around on the internet until I finally found like a little notice in an old magazine about radical video groups at the time that said, Crabs Outbreak at Camp <laughs> People's Video Theater. Wow. And then was able to track down Howard Gutstadt and Ben Levine. Wow, it the all comes theater. back to crabs in but the end, you, doesn't it? remember the, that table conversation, right? It, you know, no, until I, you saw the footage. So yeah. literally, like, we didn't know. He was like, I think I filmed a tour, but we didn't know if it was, you know, they said, yeah, we have five and a half hours of footage, and we happen to just be in the process of digitizing it. And we got a hard drive delivered to the office, and basically just sat there, you know, 
with you weeping because it was just like Aww. you know it was incredible like there were there was your first girlfriend there was you know these these raw deep conversations from the moment and what made us so excited is that I was as transfixed as Jim you know I just felt like I could sit here and watch this footage all day long because it's so unusually um, like you said just sort of like raw and honest, open and honest. Mm-hmm. Yes. well that segues into my next question which is um, but we still need to make a film just putting what happened, you know, we can have nine hours of footage, and and that, that and, you know, and and when when it's Jim's story, yes, that's great, but we're presenting it for an audience, which means you need to make some tough decisions in in, in the editing room, and when you're working with a, a co-filmmaker who's also mm-hmm. within that, then there are sometimes some complicated conversations, and I'd love for the two of you to talk about that of 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 the of, of the you know what you had to leave on the cutting room floor uh, and and those those kind of things and how you two worked in tandem to achieve that. Being a, a subject, but also being one of two directors, um, I just kind of felt like I couldn't leave anything unsaid, and that there was a great deal of trust that if I said something and either that you know and if I feel you know I feel uncomfortable about this that I was I knew that that would be respected because and and in the film earlier on talked about growing up a little bit more and one of my parents was an alcoholic and how tough that was Um, but in the long run like you say there's tough decisions to make and being able to really kind of focus the the story and um, yeah, I mean it's a unique film because it's a it is a a, a a history documentary. Like it relates a really important story out of American history that many people don't know and need mm-hmm. to know and should know. So that was important. It was important for us to tell that story uh, collectively through the voices of people that you know, Jim. I know you felt really passionately. People needed to meet. People needed to meet a diverse group of people from the community and hear their stories. And it was important to have Jim's perspective be the perspective that the audience enters the film from and and his personal perspective is what carries you through so when you get to you know after the kind of joy of the camp you get to that Willowbrook expose Mm. where you see that horrendous institution you're now looking at that institution as somebody who's kind of been you know into this amazing environment and you feel like those are your friends you know that you're that that you're saying this could have happened to and you're hearing Mm. Jim's point of view so we we worked really I think we worked hard to kind of well, it was fascinating, actually, because in some in some respect, I think you discovered things about your own story yeah. in the process of reacting to the, the history and the footage that we saw, you know? And so we, we tried to kind of have the audience go kind of along on that journey of discovery with Jim, that really intimate uh, point of view from, from the inside. I mean, one of the first things that we were really exploring that didn't really wind up being in the film was my sense that... I had abandoned the community at one point. I had come to Berkeley. I was working at the Berkeley Repertory Theater. Um, eight film, eight shows a year. I'm running the sound. I didn't have time for. I mean, I didn't have time to wash my underwear. But yet, I felt like here are these people I knew from Camp Jeanette. And I'm not spending time with them, and I'm not getting involved. And and really questioning within myself whether I feel felt like I had passed and that I really wasn't part of that community because here I am at this wonderful theater with all these fabulous people. And in reflection and really kind of feeling it out, 
I didn't really abandon them. I was doing what the, Judy Human said. We had our eyes on you the whole time. <laughs> that you had you had the life that we were striving for people to have, which was a li- a, you know a job that wasn't disability related. And when uh, I was able to have more time to come back to the community, um, I did. And um, um, and I think that we've kind of talked a bit about this film feeling like this is something to bring back to the community. That well, I'm well it's, I mean, it's wonderful, not that you just brought it back to, to that community, to your community, um, but that it offers a wonderful introduction to the wider community, to everyone else, as far as both your experience, as well as, as you say, Nicole, the, the, the history lesson of that struggle, um, you know, to, to, to get each one of those uh, um, laws enacted and then actually um, effectively utilized. Uh, it, 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 really, it really is an experience. And again, it's been wonderful to have you both here. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. That was our interview with Nicole Newnham and Jim Lebrecht of Crip Camp. And, you know, uh, uh, the irony of us doing this interview, Erin, I don't know if you remember, but um, was that, you know, Jim is disabled and he's in a wheelchair and we were having trouble finding space for him. Mm -hmm. And that was, (laughs) I mean, essentially what they've been fighting for since, you know, for decades. And, And here we are in 2020. Uh, still having the same issue. So, you know, thankfully we were able to work it out. We found a, a, a space that would um, suffice, but but that was kind of ironic in, when we were dealing with uh, Yeah, I was I, I was feeling for the publicist who actually used to be my uh, roommate here in San Francisco. Oh, that's <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I was feeling for her because, um, I mean, obvious, obviously not obviously, Park City is not really set up. For folks that um, are differently abled or are able-bodied, um, so it was a, uh, you know, we figured it out, um, and with the help of our friends at Slam Dance, they helped us figure that out too. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a tricky, it was a tricky one. Um, mm-hmm. Jim was great, and he's mm-hmm. actually, from what I understand, he's still a Bay Area guy. He lives uh, here. And uh, maybe we'll have to have him back on the show sometime after all of this. But I thought I found him to be so charming and funny and Mm. uh, a great outlook for someone who's just um, it's been hard his whole life uh, Mm. trying to just be someone that's, quote unquote, normal, um, but really found the documentary to be um, it was it started out as one thing. And I was like, what's going on here? And then it turned into like what actually happened for um, like disabled rights. I think it was in the the 70s, 60s or 70s that was happening. Yeah. And it started in the 50s and then it was like 60s and 70s. Yeah. And it was just interesting because a lot of it happened in the Bay Area and I had no idea. San um, Francisco City Hall. Yeah. Of the history. So really great film it's on netflix we didn't mention that it's on netflix right now streaming um and it was also produced or helped produced by the obamas of course uh so you know we were like yeah. one step away from the obamas at this we're, point. we're getting closer with every interview but yeah. i i do love yeah the, the one thing that i really took from this documentary was the message of like we're not the ones with the problem that needs to be fixed it's you're all's mindset 
like you guys need to flip your mindset like we're just fine you know right um treat us like equals and give us equal rights that's it so yeah. uh, that was an important message and yeah it was a really fun conversation i have a feeling it's gonna get nominated for something mm. fyi that that's is the bitch talk it is. is the bitch talk <laughs> it's my gut. I mean, the subject matters so topical, and I don't see how it wouldn't be nominated, if not um, Academy Awards. Something. Well, you could just talk to them again at the uh, red carpet at the Independent Spirit Dude. Awards. You mean when we get to sit at a table with people and drink, yes. and hang out with Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza? <sighs> One day. Anyways, um, yeah, that was if it, it, I mean, people are home now, so and I'm pretty sure most people have Netflix, not all, but uh, find Crypt Camp, it's it's excellent. Don't forget to find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and every Monday morning at bff.fm from 6 to 6 30 a.m. We're powered by GoTo Productions, bitch, please. <laughs>